Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, On Whom Do You Trust? If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 7. Now, here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. Help us to become sober in our mind this morning, that we may examine the foundation upon which we stand, that we may examine on whom we trust. Deliver us, O Lord, from trusting in creation, trusting in all sorts of idols, trusting in ourselves. You said nations are nothing. Help us, O Lord, not to trust in nothing. Help us to trust in you, the one who is high and lifted up, the king seated on the circle of the earth, and the whole earth is filled with your majestic holiness. God, who is self-existing, self-sufficient, eternal, God who is personal, God who created all things and sustains all things, God who is the Lord of history, guiding all things to the end which you have ordained for it. So God, give us a sound mind. Deliver us from lies and illusions. Speak to us, O Lord, your servants do hear, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On whom do you trust? That is the question we want to consider this morning. On what do you trust? What is the foundation of your life? And let me tell you, we find out what the foundation of your life is. You find out what the foundation of of a building is. When there is a quake. When there comes real trouble. That's when you find out irrespective of whatever we profess to be our foundation and trust, troubles, big troubles, will really reveal what we really trust. Big troubles came to Job, and we read in the book of Job, and his wife's faith was revealed right away. She said to him, curse God and die. In other words, forget about this God business, curse God and die. And I want to tell you, troubles are going to come. That's part of our life. We live in a fallen world and Christianity is very realistic. It doesn't give you some lies, some illusion. Christianity is not Christian science that says everything is illusion. There is real trouble, real problem. The foundations will be shaken. People reject you. You hear from the doctor, you have a sickness that is going to kill you. The banker comes and tells you he doesn't want to give you money. He calls back the loan. And you have to go bankrupt or whatever. The other day, a a mother was uh, backing the pickup, I believe. But she didn't know the son went out to pick up the toy from behind the picket, and the son was killed. It will be shaking, real shaking. Nobody can escape it. And then finally comes the real shaking. 
you must die. Or your friends, some of them may show up, some of them may not. And they'll stand there and will try to say some nice words and they wouldn't know what to say. But you must face it alone and you die. So let me tell you, don't be so careless when it comes to answering the question on whom we do trust. When times are nice, it makes no difference. When times are bad, it will make a big difference. So I counsel you to examine that question uh, that you may find the real answer. That we may not trust in creation that is idolatry according to the Bible. That we may not trust in our wife, in our children, in our money, in our house, in our country. That we may not trust our wife, our husband. No, no, don't trust. Trust in God alone. And we said Isaiah is the most quoted book outside of the Psalms quoted in the New Testament. So it is a book rich with great theology. And today we want to consider three chapters, chapter 7 and chapter 36 and chapter 37. These chapters deal with a father and a son. A wicked father and his godly son, Ahaz and Hezekiah. Everybody trusts somebody or something, always. Everybody depends upon someone. Either he trusts self or God. If one trusts himself, he is really trusting in Satan. The invisible spiritual reality. So in the final analysis, either one trusts Satan or the thrice holy transcendent triune God whose glory fills the universe. Vast majority of the people of the world are duped by Satan. They trust him by trusting themselves. And refuse to trust in the true God. They believe a lie from the father of all lies. They look to Satan as their savior and they are destroyed. Genesis 3 illustrates that. Adam and Eve refused to believe in the true God who gave them being, who gave them a God who gave them sustenance, who created the whole universe, who governs history. They believed Satan. They believed a lie. And they died. That's why curse God and die. Turn with me to Psalm 20 and verse 8 and 7 and 8 says, Some trust in chariots. That is military power. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. That is creation. But we, the people of God, trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall. But we rise up and stand firm. So last Sunday I spoke from Isaiah 6. Wherein the prophet had a vision of the Lord. Seated on a throne, high and lifted up. uh, The train of his robes filled the temple. 
And the seraphim began to cry and sing continually, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Speaking about the creator God, the transcendent God, the one God who alone is worthy of our worship. And we saw Isaiah himself being convicted of his own sin. And he was cleansed. And he was commissioned to go to Judah and proclaim the word to them. And I said it was a strange commission. Because it was a commission that would render their hearts hard. And their close their ears, make them deaf. And blind their eyes. It's an amazing thing. You go and preach the gospel. That's all you need to know. Vast majority of people. Through that word. Through the gospel. It's amazing. Turn their hearts hard. Make it hard. They turn deaf ear to it. And keep on preaching, they get hardened. And I have seen it in this church too. Keep on preaching, it's amazing. They get hardened. They get hardened. They more deaf. Lose all healing. And lose all eyesight, spiritually speaking. Remember in the book of Revelation, the Lord said, if you have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the churches. Some people don't have it. So it's a strange mission. Keep preaching. How long, O Lord? Until the people of God are thrown out. Their tent will remain, but they will all be also be devastated. Until the tree is cut down and the stump will remain. Speaking about a remnant alone who will listen to the Word of God, and they will believe in this transcendent God, and they will worship God, they will serve God, and their foundation will be God, and they alone will be safe and secure from all alarms. And so in chapter 7, we find a grand and shocking illustration of this ministry of the Word. And I want to speak about Ahaz and his son Hezekiah in terms of first, in terms of the big trouble, the big shaking that God will bring about in our life. And in terms of the word of God that will come to you in the context of big shaking. And then in terms of your response to that word of God. Either you will believe and be saved or you will, be, you will reject and be destroyed. So let's look at King Ahaz. He was the grandson of Uzziah who just died. Uzziah, 791 through 740, the second golden age of, of Judah. And then there was Jotham, and now Ahaz. He was David's son. He's an Israelite. And yet, if you want to know something about this guy... Turn to Second Kings, the 16th chapter. I don't have time to read the whole chapter or anything, but look at him. It gives you an idea of what type of a person is this. He's a member of the church. He belongs to the people of God, but he is wicked. 
Verse 2, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. That means God cut him down at 36. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire following the detestable ways of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. And when you read Second Chronicles chapter 28, it tells you he promoted wickedness. He not only just practiced it, personal sin, but he promoted it. It's an amazing phenomenon. Brought up in the church, brought up in the church, hearing the word of God continually, baptized in the church, taught in the Sunday school classes, listening to the sermons every week, but growing up as a wicked person. Not only sinning, but promoting evil. Who is this, the son of David, to whom God made a covenant? The Davidic covenant, Second Samuel 7. And so the point is, big trouble. God brings about what? Big trouble. It's going to come to you. And it's going to come to me. And you don't like it. And I don't like it either. And we begin to shake and shiver. <laughs> maybe today, maybe tomorrow. It's going to happen. So, big trouble came in 734 B.C. Syria and Israel, that is, northern kingdom, and Edom have attacked Judah and defeated her. Now, the king of Damascus, by name Rezin, and king of Israel, by name Pekah, with their soldiers, they are at the gates of Jerusalem itself. And they have a purpose. They want to kill him. And they want to put an end to Davidic dynasty and put on the throne a puppet king as a son of Tabil, whoever he was. Put an end to it. Big trouble. Turn with me to chapter 7 of Isaiah. Take a look at it. Big trouble is coming for you too. Everything looks so nice and serene, tranquil, very quiet. And then one day, big trouble. The calm is gone. High waves are happening. Shaking. Look at this. This king is big guy, promoter of wickedness. This unbelieving man. Look at verse 2. Now the house of David was told, that is, this trouble is coming, and it was told to Ahaz. Aram, that is Syria, has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken. As the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Oh, this is not the little shaking. What's going to happen is, it's a shaking in the depths of your being. It will shake the very foundation. We cannot avoid it, evade it. It's there. So there is, there is the anti-Assyrian coalition. The great Assyria is coming. So Syria and, and Israel join together to oppose it. 
They wanted Judah to join. Ahaz refused. And they are conquering Judah. And they have conquered a lot of it. And now they are at the gate of the city of Jerusalem itself. And everybody is what? Yeah, trouble will come and we will be shaken. Even pastor will be shaken to the very core. But I hope that we will do a little more than shaking. And a little more than just weeping. I hope finally we will stabilize ourselves and say, wait a minute, I want to pray. I want to go to the word of God. I want to look to God who is sovereign, seated on the throne. He is the king, high and exalted. But here, this man was wicked. So he can only shake and tremble. He has no answer. Look at it. He will not pray. Let me tell you, there are many people when the shaking comes, they cannot pray. They will not pray because they never prayed. They do not trust in God at all. But their, their Christianity was a simulation. And so they begin to tremble and complain and murmur and depressed and, and miserable. That's it. That's the end of it. Now, this prophet was living there. He's a well-known man. Isaiah was, a royal, was of royal blood. He was not a redneck. He was a high-class person. And he is known for his prophecy. Did he send anybody to, uh, to this man? You know, maybe he has a word for you. No, he will not send anyone. Because the foundation was not God. But let me tell you, who brought this trouble? God himself brought this trouble. Turn with me, let me show you. When, when trouble comes, God is bringing the trouble. <laughs> God is shaking your foundation. God wants to test and see whether you trust in him or not. Whether you are phony or whether you are real. So the trouble itself is brought by God. Second Kings chapter 15 and verse 37. Verse 37, in those days, the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Aram, and Pekah, son of Ramaleah, against Judah. Now, who, who brought this trouble? The Lord, who is seated on the throne high and lifted up the great sovereign of the universe. The Lord is going to send it. Turn again to second. Uh, Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 5. Therefore, the Lord his God handed him over to the king of Aram. The Arameans defeated him and took many of his people as prisoners. You see, who did it? God. Why did he do it? Because he was wicked. And the people were wicked. But let me tell you, the reason why God permits these things and sends these things, it is written right here. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and let me read from verse 2 and 3. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to, what is it, to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not. You would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. God brings trouble to shake your foundation, 
to see whether you really trust him and believe in him and hope in him. And so the issue here is, here is a king who is wicked and he promotes wickedness and God brought this trouble in order to humble him so that he may turn to God, but he refuses to turn to God. So turn to chapter 7 of Isaiah, look at verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, he didn't, the wicked king didn't send for Isaiah. He's the answer man. He's the word man. But you see, it's amazing. God takes the initiative. God brings the word. You have trouble. And God brings the word for you. If you believe in that word, you'll be saved. You'll be delivered from your trouble. So he says, the Lord said to Isaiah, see, God understands our problem. God sent it. God has a purpose. This is not a random world where things happening. Nobody knows anything about it. A bird cannot fall without his permission. Everything has meaning because the Lord is the Lord of history. Everything has meaning. The fact that you are sitting here, it is by divine doing that you may hear the word of God and be saved or you may hear the word of God and harden your own heart. There is meaning for everything. It's not a purposeless world and meaningless world. It's a meaningful word because the meaning is found in the one who is seated on the circle of the earth. God knows the problem. God knows you are troubled. God sent the trouble. God sent it to test you and see whether you will look to him, look to the hills from where the help comes. And so he sends Isaiah, he said, you know, take with you your son, who is a sign for these people. His name is Shiar Jashub, means a remnant shall return. So you go and meet him at a certain place. He's checking the water supply at this time of siege. <laughs> and you could meet him at that water supply place at the upper pool. Sure enough, he went there and there he was. <laughs> And I'm sure he asked, who are you? Well, I'm Isaiah. See, he's a stranger to this king because he doesn't like Isaiah. Who is this kid? His name is hmm? Shiar Jashub. A remnant shall return. Oh yeah, a remnant. So there is going to be a remnant. That's right. It's not, it's not going to be a devastation. There is going to be a remnant. And I want you to join with the remnant. Believe God. That's the idea. See, this is not the end of everything. God has a plan for Judah. God is not going to let Judah be wiped out. And God has sent me and he told me to take this son with you. So God takes initiative. Even when we hate God. And when we refuse to look to him, he takes initiative. Send the man of God with the word. Word of God, man. Word of God is your answer. Not word of man. Philosophies of man. And turn with me to, so this is 734 B.C. And look at verse 4 of chapter 7. Say to him, God is saying. God is saying, say to him, I know he's in big trouble. I send the trouble. I'm trying to help him to turn away from wickedness and turn to God so I can save him. And I'm sending you to give him the word. And the word comes. What is it? Be careful. Keep calm. Don't shake, man. Peace. Everything is going to be all right, man. Don't do crazy thing. That's what people do. (laughs) 
When trouble comes, they do crazy things because they are not calm. They are not rational. Now comes the promise. What is it? Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and don't be what? Fear not. It's amazing. Sin brought fear into this world. You see in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve running away from God because of guilt. But here, the word of God is what? Don't fear. Tell him, don't fear. Don't fear not. And then he explains the reality. God understands reality. Oh, I know. Resin and Pekah, two kingdoms, are coming against you. I understand it. Christianity is realistic. He understands your problem from beginning to end comprehensively. Your heavenly father knows what you need. He knows it all. But the issue is, are you going to believe in him? Believe in his word. He tells you, fear not. He tells them. You see, they want to destroy you. But read on, it says, it will not happen. It will not happen. God said it will not. How come he said it? He is sovereign. He is the Lord. He is the governor of the entire universe. He knows. He governs it all. He is the Lord of hosts. He tells you, it will not happen. I tell you. Through my prophet Isaiah, you believe. And then he says, you know, they are spent fuel. In other words, they are finished. They have no energy in them. And let me tell you, it's historically proven within two years. In 732, both kings were killed. And and Syria fell to Assyria. And at 722, Samaria also fell. This says 65 years. In 12 years it happened. In fact, in two years they were killed. These people were killed. God governs all. He said, believe me, it will not happen. They want to put an end to Judah and the and Davidic dynasty, it is not going to happen. I have made a covenant with David that one of his sons will rule and will reign. Quickly come to verse 9. There's a big challenge given because to this man, what is this challenge? If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. This is a big challenge. The word is amen. It is used two times. If you do not believe, if you do not trust, you will not stand, you will fall, you will be wiped out. Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God. The idea is that he stood upon God. That's what faith is. Putting our entire weight upon the strong foundation of God now and forevermore. That was a challenge. But look at the response. What is the response? Quickly, verse 12. See, not only that Isaiah said, hey, ask for a sign. I know you are, a, you are weak. I'll ask God a sign Anywhere in the universe, the generosity of God. Anywhere in this universe, ask for a sign. He will do a sign for you so that your faith will increase. Oh, he became very pious and he said, I will not test God. What he did was what? He made up his mind long ago not to trust God. 
You see, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He will make your path straight. But you see, we don't need God. He was an astute politician. He saw Assyria is coming. Assyria is powerful. And he would rather cast his lot with the, with the superpower. And that's what he did. He made a crucial, fatal error in 734 by becoming a vassal uh, to Assyrian king Tiglath Pileser III. You will read that in 2 Kings 16, 7 through 9. He took all the money's gold and silver, sent it all the way to him. And he said, I am your vassal. He's supposed to be the vassal of the Lord. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And he rejects him. And yet he has no problem to be a vassal of Tiglath Pileser III. And not only that, this vassal idea means you must also worship the God of your vassal. And he became a worshiper of idols. He even cast his own sons in the fire in worship of Malek. He closed down the real worship. It is pathetic what people will do in the name of spirituality. <laughs> oh, submitting to the word and submitting to the preacher who preaches the word of God. Oh, no, 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 no. I want my independence. Well, your independence, actually, he surrendered to Satan. Your autonomy is surrendered to Satan. And you call it, oh, I'm independent. I'm very independent. You don't even understand Satan has duped you. And you are ready to do anything but the word of God. And so let's go on. He rejects it. He rejects the word of God. There's a trouble. There's the word of God. And he rejects it. So listen to the word that says, look at uh, chapter 7. Beginning with 17, the Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time, unlike since any Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. There is the prediction. And read on, you will notice, in that day, listen to that word, verse 18, in that day, the Lord will whistle. The Lord will what? Whistle. The Lord whistles. Which Lord? The Lord Isaiah saw. I am lifted up. He is the ruler of the universe. And throughout the book of Isaiah, you must understand this God. He is the Holy One. Transcendent One. The one who is separate from you. In being and in holiness. And he need only to what? Whistle. In other words, he commands the superpowers of the East and West. And they will come like bees and flies and torment you. And the day is all set. Look, read on when you go home. In that day, in that day, in that day, in that day, it is definite. And it happened. It happened. You study the history of Judah, you will understand it. He did a crucial fatal error in 734. And Judah remained a vassal through centuries. Never came into sovereignty. He surrendered sovereignty. Let me tell you, when you make that decision, apart from God, you don't understand what you are doing. The effect is going to go on 
for generation. Look at uh, chapter 8 and verse 5. In terms of response of unbelief, there is uh, uh, chapter 8 verse The Lord spoke to me again because this people has rejected what? The gently flowing waters of Shiloh. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside what? Quiet waters. <laughs> there is a river that makes glad the city of God. But you don't want it. You reject it. So notice, because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of Shiloh and rejoices over Rezin and the son of Ramaliah, therefore the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty flood waters of the river, that is Euphrates. In other words, here is the prediction that Assyria is going to come and the banks of this river is going to overflow into Judah and devastate it. Because you rejected that offer that came to you in terms of God's word, God's promise. And you treated him with contempt. Now let's look at, look at Hezekiah. That's his son. Hezekiah is his son. 30 years went by. Now we are in 701 B.C., chapter 36, chapter 37. Okay, he's in trouble too. Let's turn to chapter 36. He's in big time trouble. You see, you don't understand, Father. Your decision affects your son, your son's son's children, and children's children. You naively, stupidly, with arrogance, you made a decision that brought your children and children's children into deep trouble. You just made your little decision. You are arrogant. You are arrogant. You feel arrogant. And you feel good, you know. And you did your decision, thumb your nose at God and his word, and walked away with pride. And your son is in trouble. Hezekiah is name. Turn to chapter 36. And here comes a Syrian king. This time his name is Sennacherib, mighty Sennacherib. Chapter 36, verse 1, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. He, in his own annals, he reports that he captured 46 cities, walled cities, and he boasts that he made Hezekiah a bird in a cage because his father surrendered sovereignty. It's because his father will not believe in God. And his son is in trouble. They came and they are also in the same thing. They are also at the gates. All the cities are destroyed. You could go to the British Museum and see it. I was there the other day and you could see it. In the relief, this particular chapter. Big trouble for his son. And he is in a cage. You read. The commander of Sennacherib says, you are going to eat your filth and drink your urine. That's what happens when we reject God. It is right here written in verse 12 of chapter 36. But, so let's look at, he's coming and he's mocking and he's saying, you are in deep trouble. <coughs> you are a, a bird in a cage. <laughs> And I want to tell you now, see, he's the spokesman for Satan. Sennacherib, spokesman for Satan. He's saying what? You, you say you, want, you are trusting in yourself. He's mocking. 
are trusting yourself. What do you have that to trust in? You have nothing. Then he says, oh, you say you trust in the superpower called Egypt. Isaiah prophesied Egypt is nothing. is worthless. Egypt was useless. And here he says he's a broken reed. Anyone who leans on Egypt, it will pierce him. Egypt is nobody. He was weak. And then he mocks the Lord. You say, the Lord will do it? The Lord told me to come and wipe you out. And then he says, your Lord has not delivered anybody from my hand. And he says, your own Lord is important. He mocks the Lord. He mocks the Lord. We hear that mocking all the time, isn't it? You know, the people of the world are always mocking God and Christians' Bible. Mocking. And there are people in the church itself coming. They grew, grew fat and tall, and they finally, they mock Jesus Christ. <laughs> they mock Jesus Christ, sovereign Lord of the universe, high and lifted up, transcendent, infinite, creator, sustainer. We mock him. You know, sometimes I'm amazed. I'm amazed how God would put up with us. I mean, I think God is long-suffering. I believe that. See, otherwise he could wipe out the whole universe by his sheer will. But he lets us go on. And so you read that. It's an interesting chapter. Well, this is, a, this is Satan, Satan's speech coming through the commander of Sennacherib, mocking. And he says, surrender to me. Come, open the gate. Come over here and surrender to me. And that's what he's asking for. The point is big trouble, isn't it? Big trouble. Now the question is, is he going to behave like his father? Or is he going to behave differently? Is he going to reject the word? Or is he going to receive the word? The word will be brought to him through Isaiah himself. The son is different by divine mercy. And it's wonderful to understand the response of Isaiah, uh, of Hezekiah to the gospel, to the word of God. He humbled himself. You see, that's what he did. He heard it all. And he tears his clothes and puts on sackcloth. He humbled himself before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are those who humble. That's what he did. I hope that we will not behave like Ahaz. What are you, Ahaz? You are nothing. You are mist. You are a flower. You are grass. You are, the nations are nothing. They are less than nothing. When he wants to shake you, he will shake you. He will shake nations. He will shake superpowers. So we were very powerful, isn't it? They said there is no more superpower. We became the superpower. And we thought this is going to be pretty nice. You know, we can tell everybody what to do. We are the superpowers. But the problem with this country is what? They rejected God. 
And then there was 9-11 superpower, 9-11 superpower, 9-11. They cannot figure it out. And we are all shaken, isn't it? He knows how to shake the nations. He knows how to shake superpowers. He, know, he knows how to shake fathers, how to shake mothers, how to shake corporate people, how to shake teenagers. You know, they think everything is fine, you know. I don't have to listen to anybody, you know. Especially in this country, old people are mocked and put away, warehoused. Who is, uh, who is powerful? The young. Man, they are the mighty. We worship the young. I'm just telling you, I believe in a God who will shake you. He will shake everybody. In fact, the Bible says he's going to shake one more time. And you begin to shake. You begin to tremble. And then, two ways you can go. Either you believe in God and his word. Or you reject him. But if we believe in God and his prophets and his word and his promise, he'll save you. He'll save you. He'll save you. The only thing is you have to fall down. You cannot be arrogant. You cannot be proud. You have to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may exalt you. He may exalt you in due season. God alone is truth. And he saves people who repent. He saves people who humble. He saves people who cry out to him. Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. He does save. <laughs> is he able to save? Yes. He alone is Lord. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to humble our souls and believe the gospel. Help us to humble our souls and believe in the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh God, the shaking is coming. So we want to ensure that our foundation is God himself. Then we shall not fall. We shall stand. Oh, the wicked shall not stand in the judgment. And the unrighteous in the congregation of the godly. For the way of the, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked shall perish. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.